Hello and welcome to the dimension where the Las Vegas Golden Knights are in the Stanley Cup Finals. Yes, somehow the uh, Mandela effect has allowed for the Vegas Golden Knights to be in the Stanley Cup Finals. And uh, I still can't believe it happened. I don't think that anybody on the team can believe it happened. Certainly, Gerard Gallant, he didn't have, you know, he said, oh, we have a decent team in the beginning of the year. It, no one expected this. I, don't, I doubt that, you know, in the beginning of the season where you hear guys saying, our goal is the Stanley Cup. Sure. But I don't even think this team, you know, was there any chatter of like, all right, we're, we're going to have an outside shot at the Cup? I don't think so. And welcome into the show, Justin Baker. I'm, I'm Mark Paul, and away we go, Overtime Hockey Talk. Yeah, just jump right in. Yeah, I'm. I feel like I, I went through some sort of time meld warp, and you know something different was supposed to happen. But this is what happened in in the dimension we currently sit in. So basically, what you're saying is this is the Avengers Infinity Stone. We're in a whole another dimension right now. Yeah, pretty much. And yes, I, I, I think that. I, what other weird things are going to happen? Don't weird things happen in threes? That is a, yeah, that is a theory. That's a thing. Yeah. Right. So, well, okay. All right. For the, to the real, the real stuff, let's just give you a thought. This wasn't anything. That was nothing. <laughs> uh, that was some other dimension. Uh, just pare it down here. 60 seconds. Why did the Golden Knights beat the Jets, or better yet, how did the Golden Knights beat the Jets? A few things. Mark Andre Fleury. Hey, that's that's. Uh, yes, he does count as a few things. Yes, he is one of the few things. He's got a glove and a blocker, <laughs> two pads, a chest protector. Those are more than a few things. Yeah. Well, uh, so Mark Andre Fleury, the fact that Vegas played their aggressive style of hockey and never relented, even when after game one, when you think, okay, Winnipeg actually put forth quite a show. Put up some goals, right? Sure. You figure, okay, maybe if you're Vegas, you go out and you change things up. No, not at all. They kept playing their game. They didn't relent at all. And it showed. And you had guys from Winnipeg like Ehlers, uh, Stasny, um, even you know Wheeler himself. They weren't putting up goals. Liney barely made a, a showing. So. I'm, I'm going to say exactly what I said after game one. Mm-hmm. And I said it before game one. The A, that game ones, you can kind of throw them out because... Yes. They're kind of weird. Teams are feeling each other out. You don't know what happened. Like, you have to take into account how long that team's been rested for and, and yada, yada, yada. And we, and we did say, e- even though it's – and I'm not going to not gonna lie to you and say that I didn't expect the Jets to win. Yeah. But I did, I did say that there was a, a good chance that the reason they lost – Golden Knights lost game one was because they were rusty and had been resting for – I think it was a week at that point or yeah. five days or something like that. Five days. And the Preds were, or the the Jets were coming off that series with the Preds, and so they were kind of still riding that high, but that it could catch up to them, and it clearly did. They were, it was a very obvious that they were just done. They were exhausted. Even even watching that game five, there was maybe when they tie when they came back tied the game at one, and I thought okay. That maybe they can. Nope, never mind. Because <laughs> it was so quick. Yeah, that they scored that second goal. It was just, and it didn't seem like they had 
I don't know the extra gear or, and, and I know that their head coach, Paul Maurice admitted that they were really tired after that Nashville series, that they really had to give it everything to get past Nashville. Yeah. So let me ask you this. If we had done a traditional one through eight seating where they reseed after each round, you know, high versus low. I mean, you, if you take, for instance, you say that the sharks, the, the golden Knights, the Jets and the Predators had all been in the second round, right? Some scenario plays out. This is what happens. The Jets would have ended up playing the Golden Knights in round two. True. Do you think that the Jets would have won that series given that they wouldn't have came off such a rough and emotional-like series with they did with Nashville? Hmm. That's a fantastic question. Yeah. Um, I think the way that the Golden Knights play – is I was actually it's funny because I was thinking this when I was watching game 5. I was like why does this team remind me of the New Jersey Devils in the late 90s early 2000s? Not in the sense that they just try to grind you down and you're going to get zero shots on goal. Thank you Scott but Stevens. The way that they wait on a team to make a mistake and then they capitalize and they go in and score. Like on on the block shot, you know, they they block the shot and mm-hmm. they take the puck the length of the ice, they go down and score. And I'm watching it, and I'm just thinking, this is exactly what the Devils did, except with tremendous speed. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, it's not like they have two guys in four-checking at all times. There's there's your one four-checker in. They've got guys all playing very well-positioning, positioned play, right? Yeah. So they're... Uh, they're waiting on the other team to capitalize on their mistakes, which is why, hey, sometimes they blow up a team. Like they, okay, they can win game 6 1. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they win it 2 to 1. But if you think about the two goals in that game, both were, rem- were because of mistakes that the Jets made, and they, they just capitalize off the rush. And they just sit back and wait for you, but their speed is unreal. So, it's, and it's not boring. It's not a boring trap. Right. Yeah. You know, it's it's not the like, all right, four guys lining up at the blue line, right. one guy in, and as soon as you try going over the blue line, you're getting hacked and held and basically ridden like a sled until you're in behind the net against the boards. Yeah. That's not the kind of trap that they play, but they do play a they're they're gonna be in a position to be able to capitalize on wherever you're gonna go. They just wait for you to come to them. And it forces you to have to play their game every time. No, like yeah. nobody, nobody is forcing the Golden Knights to play their game. The Golden Knights just keep playing their game every series, no matter what the score has been. They've just played their own game, and the Golden Knights they can win games one nothing. They showed it in the first series against the Kings. I think they they only scored six goals on a goaltender. They had yeah. one empty net goal in four games, so they barely scored any. I mean, and they. But they were able to uh, light the lamp a couple times against San Jose. Mm-hmm. They, you know, Connor Hellebuck, he didn't look great against uh, against Vegas. But nope, this team plays a, a certain style that just you go wait. Oh, every they're just sitting back waiting. That's what they're doing. Yeah, I've really I, that's what they're doing, sitting back waiting, and they have a whole team of. Second and third line players. Yeah, and there's no I. 
they do such a good job just getting out of the zone quickly too. And again, that's more to the point of how you how they take those turnovers and those mistakes and they turn them into great opportunities. So, um, yeah, I can't say enough how just it's it's still mind blowing that Vegas is that we're saying Vegas is in the Stanley Cup Finals. I actually I saw it in 1918. Mm-hmm. The Toronto Arenas. It was their first year in the NHL, and uh, and they went to the the finals. Okay, granted, it was like what the NHL's second year, right? So, okay, we're gonna. <laughs> who cares? <laughs> 1968, exactly 50 years later. Mm-hmm. I've, I mean, it was set up to be this way, but yeah, six new teams came into the league, and one of those six, because of the playoff format, was going to be in the Stanley Cup Finals. It was the St. Louis Blues. They end up in the. They actually ended up in the finals. I think three years in a row. Four years. Four years in a row. Yeah, with Scotty Bowman swept every time. I believe. Right. Yeah, they didn't look good. Uh, and so you had you had that. Now fifty years later, again, you have the Vegas Golden Knights, an expansion team, in the finals every fifty years. Yeah, that's. Uh, I don't think we'll ever see anything like this again. Not in a first year. No. 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 It's it, uh, reminiscence, reminiscence of the Florida Panthers, of course, 1996. Yeah. We, we talked about that on a, on a previous show. But, yeah, it. I mean, that team was more like, all right, you've had three years to build. They they kind of tried to, to build a quick team that could go to the playoffs. They got... I'd say that they got a little bit lucky. This Vegas Golden Knights team is not just getting lucky. They're not winning game. They're not winning like seven game series, clawing every game. This this yep. is oh, you're twelve and three, right? And they don't have to worry about future wise. Twelve and three, <laughs> I know, so crazy. They don't have to worry about you know in the next few years of like guys getting old or aging contracts that are going to weigh them down cap-wise. Like, they don't have that problem. No, I mean, they're, they're going to have to figure out what to do with Neil and Perron and... Uh, and, I mean, and, and Carlson. Right, right. Yeah. Well, I mean, Carlson, they'll, you know, they'll sign. They'll right, not. they will. I, I would... I, my guess is all three of those guys get extensions, and they all get very reasonable extensions. Yeah, I mean, if you're James Neal or David Biron, Biron, why? I mean, why wouldn't you want to hang around? It's such a cool atmosphere. right. I mean, I would, de- I would, I mean, I absolutely Especially would. if they win the cup. Yeah. How exactly. could you, you know. I would take a salary. I mean, come on. Oh, you want to pay me $4 million instead of five and a half? Okay, sure. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's just reminisce here for a minute. Vegas Golden Knights uh, were given a second round pick to take Marc-Andre Fleury. Okay. Uh, they also were given Jonathan Marcheseau to take Riley Smith. Two thirds of the top line. Uh, they also were given Alex Tuck to take Eric Howla. <laughs> they were given Shea Theodore to take Clayton Stoner. And they were given a first and second round pick to take William Carlson and David Clarkson's contract. Which Clarkson's contract is going to be up in a year. And Carlson just scored 40 goals. Yes. And so basically oh. you have, so between Carlson, Howla, Tuck, Smith, Marcia, so there's five players on in, in your top nine, yep. and four players in your top six. That's insane. And Neil and Ferran fill out the rest. Yeah, which they just scooped. <laughs> right. Uh, not to mention the fact that Theodore looks like he is a bona fide number one, like top pairing defenseman. He looks fantastic. Yeah, they actually. Oh, and Mark Andre Fleury having. Oh no. 
he has a Hall of Fame career and is having the best playoffs of his career. And this is actually his best uh, his best stretch of 15 games of his career. Yeah. He's uh, I. I'm not totally sure how they do the numbers, but they, there's a way to kind of, you know, statistically speaking, determine how many goals a goaltender has has stopped more than the average. Okay. And right now, an average goalie, in, like every other goalie in the playoffs in his position, an average goalie would have let in 12 more goals over the course of those 15 games, My which goodness. is a tremendous number. Like, yes. that's a huge number. To be twelve goals above, in yeah, 15 almost games. a goal a game, and you think they only won that first round usually by mostly one goal game. Exactly. So I mean, exactly. there you go. Yeah, he certainly is the Conn Smythe. Tro- I mean, I would say that Mark Andre Fleury wins the Conn Smythe as long as if if that series goes seven games, he wins the Conn Smythe regardless. Yeah, I, he'll become I, the first player since Jean Sebastian uh, Jaguer. Yeah. In uh, what was that? Two thousand and three. Four? Three, yeah. 2003, yeah. when they had lost the Devils in seven games. Uh, okay, well, let's... Uh, oh, real quick, New York Islanders hire Lou Lamarillo to run their hockey operations. Mm. So uh, everybody's going to have to cut the beards off. <laughs> Cal Clutterbuck, have Get fun with your down. hair. <laughs> yeah, there's... Yeah, uh, I mean, good luck with that. I, I Apparently, he's reached out to John Tavares. And if he's smart, he won't sign there. Yeah, he, I'm on board no. with you now. No. I, I, I actually see. Since I always August, thought that he would, and I almost think he still will. It's like Stockholm syndrome. You know, you stick with your captor. Yeah, I, you know what? That's funny. <laughs> your captor, like they're that bad. You know what? I've always thought John Tavares wants to be a legacy type player, like a Stevie Y, where you stay around your whole yep. career. Yep. And <clears throat> Joe Sackick, same thing. There's something admirable to be said about that for guys when your team's good. winning. Right. Exactly. But. And don't get me wrong, I still think if he goes somewhere else, he can stay there the rest of his career and still be considered one of those legacy-type players. But Yeah, I guess in fairness, Steve Eiserman didn't go to his first final until took a while. he was 29. Yeah. Or th- uh, yeah, it was 1995 against the Devils. Yeah. And then it was another two years before he won a cup. So, I mean, 13 years after being drafted, that'd be John Tavares winning in, what, 2022? Yeah. I think he was, he was 2009, right? Or was that Stamkos? No, I think you're right. 2009. One of those. Uh, well, yeah, I think he'll go in and he'll he'll do what he does. He'll clean things up. That's that's for sure. Yeah. Um, he will he will sweep up Garth Snow's mess, and will do most of the safe things and he'll, make them a good a good enough team to make the playoffs. He'll solve the goaltending situation. I know that. That's that's entirely yes yeah. yes very clear yes he traded for Corey Schneider mm-hmm. he traded for Frederick Anderson. Uh, who's next? Who will he trade for? Grubauer? Uh, that's more than possible. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Just a cool note, the Vegas Golden Knights Jets game two, or game five, excuse me, mm-hmm. was the most watched hockey game in Las Vegas television market history. 36% of all the TVs on in Vegas were tuned in to that game. That's crazy. That's and a you think about, tremendous number. Especially when you consider... The amount of TVs that are probably in casinos and, I mean, yeah, just still insane. Yeah, yeah, it is. And, uh, yeah, they, they have more people watching that game than Washington Capitals fans watching theirs. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. 
The Washington Capitals, this is the first time they've been there since 1998. They're supposed to be the hockey city. Right. I mean, I will give it to Vegas, though, just because there is something to be said when you're, you have that excitement built around a team's first year in the playoffs, first everything. So they're going to get a little bump in ratings just because of that. Sure. Uh, apparently, still. there's there's something in Washington. I, I, I heard somebody talking about uh, – it was the play-by-play guy for the, ra- the radio who mm-hmm. was talking about how uh, – Capital Washington sports fans in general mm-hmm. have a very grim outlook at sports. Wow. Like they, I mean, they haven't won anything uh, ever, or it's since since I think I think it was the I think the Redskins were the last team. Maybe uh, did they win anything? I I think that it's actually the what's the uh, their basketball team Wizards. Yeah, did they ever win? No, there's no way they won. No. Anything. <laughs> And, of course, they lost their baseball team and yada, yada. But anyways, they have a pretty tortured sports past. I'm going to look that up right now, actually. All right. You do. You look that up. And uh, while you look that up, I will uh, tease what we're doing next. Please. So as uh, if you listen to our last show, if you didn't, uh, you can find the link in the description. And you can listen to our last show and where we go through the top three picks of the draft to uh, – to kind of go through those teams, not necessarily the players that they're going to take in the draft, but uh, looking at those teams and what they should do and whether they should trade their draft pick or uh, what free agents they should be looking at. So we went through Buffalo, Carolina, and Montreal, uh, who all won draft lottery picks. Uh, now we're going to go through the Ottawa Senators, the Arizona Coyotes, and the Detroit Red Wings. So we'll start with the Ottawa Senators, and just to kind of give you a picture of uh, what their what their offseason entails. Uh, as you know, they, they do have two first-round picks because of the Derek Prasard trade with Pittsburgh. So they have Pittsburgh's first-round pick, and uh, they also have their own. Of course, in acquiring Matt Duchesne, they could give that pick to Colorado. They have up until they actually get on stage and make that pick to uh, – to say, all right, actually, we're going to bring this pick to Colorado. Uh, their Pittsburgh's pick is 22 overall. So uh, Ottawa, I think that people are looking at this and going, well, they're picking fourth overall. What are the chances that Ottawa picks higher than that next year? I think some people say pretty high. Uh, some people are saying, well, this team's they're not going to strip everything down. They're going to try and make some changes and and try to push for the playoffs again. I don't know, but they have their two first-round picks, no second, no third, a fourth, fifth, sixth, and two seventh-round picks, one of those coming from the New York Rangers. They have Bobby Ryan signed for another three years at $7.25 million. Ouch. And they have, after this next season, Matt Duchesne, Alex Burrows, Ryan Dezingle, Tom Pyatt, Max McCormick, Magnus, uh, uh, sorry, Eric Carlson. And uh, yes, those are your players who are unrestricted free agents after next year. So, I mean, that's those are the guys that you're, we're probably going to focus on a little bit. Starting July 1st, those players are able to be re-signed. Uh, there's a, a whole lot of talk around Mark Stone, who is a restricted free agent. He has no contract right now. Uh along with Cody CC. So this team's got a lot of work to do in the offseason and they I mean they have the cap space. They've got 35 million in cap space. Um, but uh, this is 
Yeah, or I'm sorry, they have 15. 15, yeah. Sorry. 15 million in cap space. That will probably go up to close to 20. Uh, I I like to operate on nice, even numbers. So I'm saying that the the cap probably is at about 80 million, give or take. And at very least in the off season, you can spend up to 10% over your cap. Right. And so that would put them... I mean, if it's let's say seventy-eight million, that means you can spend up to eighty-five in the offseason. So they're really in, they're in no danger of not being able to re-sign their guys and having the cap space. But if there's an internal cap, of course, that's where things get sticky. And that's yes. we know Mark Stone's been rumored, and actually more so, probably Mike Hoffman's been rumored uh, to be on the block as he has one more year left at. Uh, two years left. I'm sorry, at five point one eight seven. So, with that being said, what do the Ottawa Senators do this off season? <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe that's not not the right question because there's there's what they're actually going to do, mm-hmm. uh, which we don't really know. Is this team going to are they going to tear it down or are they just trying to create a more affordable version of what they are? Uh, I don't. I mean, they they're bringing back their coach. Yeah, they. You know, is Carlson going to be on the team? We don't know. So, you're the general manager of this team. What do you do at this point? To me, I look at two different scenarios where this team could go. One, you build for the now, so that you can somehow try to keep Matt Duchesne around because. This is, I mean, last offseason, their, you know, their owner just raved about how much he wanted this guy and how much they've been targeting this guy. So one, you build to keep him around, and that includes somehow trying to keep Eric Carlson around as well. Or two, you say, hey, Carlson's not sticking around. He's not going to resign with us. Matt Duchesne, maybe he's not, maybe he's thinking the same thing. Maybe I need to, you know, head off somewhere. And so at that point, you just say, okay, well, Let's let's get young. Let's strip it down and get the assets we can in return and go from there. But I think those are your two scenarios if you're Ottawa right now, and you have to decide which one of those roads you want to go down. No trading Mark Stone, right? We're signing Mark Stone to an eight-year deal at seven a year. Yeah, I say you you keep him. He's he's a great winger, great scorer. Um, if he can even, stay healthy. Yeah, exactly. And it, even if you're thinking, okay, we're going to do a full-on rebuild. He's still something you can keep around. Veteran leadership. He'll still he's only be twenty six. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he'll still be a guy with you know plenty of miles left in him. Again, like you said, if he can stay healthy. So and the great thing for Ottawa though is if they decide, hey, we want to go through a full rebuild, they have some great, great young assets. Um, again, they got Thomas Shabbat, who has played his first full season. Well, maybe not full season last year, but uh, you know, majority of the year he was up there. They've got some great forward prospects down in the minors like Colin. White and Logan Brown, who look like they're going to be bona fide NHL top six players. So again, you just have to really decide what route you want to go. And if, again, if you're going to go full rebuild, rebuild at this point, you know, maybe you, you, you know, like, like we talked about, you have to package something to get Eric Carlson out of there and bring some good assets in return. And maybe you try to move Bobby Ryan with that contract and maybe eat some of that. Well, they're going to have to eat some of that. And then, you know, what do you do with Matt Duchesne? But that's their two options. Yeah, and the other question, and a player that we oft forget about with the Senators, is Marion Gabrick. Yeah. Who still has three years left on his deal at 4.875. Uh, is there a team or a scenario where Gabrick is, you know, somebody's able to to 
figure out a way to fit him under their cap. And and I mean Ottawa, you can only eat so many so many uh, salaries. And the thing is, they're already eating Dion 1.75 of Dion Phaneufs until 2021. Yeah, I think you're only allowed to have. So you can two. only have two. Yeah. So so that means that only one more player. So I mean. Is that player Bobby Ryan? Is that player a Marion Gabrick? Is that you know is is Bobby Ryan even a viable option for a team at three point six million, which is about what they it's a three point six two five would be the minimum cap hit that you could have for Bobby Ryan. And just so you know, Bobby Ryan had thirty three points in sixty two games. And 25 points in 62 games the year before that. So 24 goals in 124 games for a scoring winger. Yeah. Scoring about once every five games. So you're you're looking at about a 15-goal scorer. Yeah, you're looking at a third-line player, maybe. Who who can't stay healthy? Yeah, who can't stay healthy? So you're not twenty games. You're not paying them three and a half million. I mean, that's yeah, exactly. And so there's no like there's going to be no takers for them unless if you find a team desperate enough that wants Eric Carlson, they might consider it if they have cap room. But in that case, you're not going to get nearly what like that's a huge portion of that trade. Where if that team's willing to take Bobby Ryan full price. Then that means that you're probably getting half of what you would have for Carlson. Right. Well, I don't think any team's going to take Bobby Ryan full price if you try to package that in. You're going to have to eat three million of that or whatever. I, I be. honestly, I think that he's there to stay for at least two more years. I agree. I, with I you. think in two more years it becomes palatable if he's mm-hmm. or he retires. Yeah, with me. <laughs> which, <laughs> which he, he has no reason to retire because no. he's making so much money and he's terrible. I think. Eric Carlson gets moves that moved this off season. Like everybody's talking about at the draft, but with Bobby Ryan, I don't think he's going to get packaged. What I think is going to happen is Ottawa's hoping that he has some sort of not necessarily breakout year, but a really, really good season. Yeah. I mean, if he can get 45 points in a season. Yeah. And you're hoping he has a good year. And then maybe next season when he's only got three years left, maybe you can try to, finagle something i think that's just a player they're just stuck with most likely yes. or if you really want to save money on him buy him out send him to the miners (laughs) oh you could buy him out you could but 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 the problem is that then you're then you're looking at they were to buy him out this offseason then you're paying him for the next eight years years, and and then you've got that on your books i mean i i don't think ottawa has the money to buy him out no i don't think they want to spend that money either i mean he's still due about 30 million dollars and I think you have to buy you buy out on a what is it a third of it or forty percent or something like that. It's a large chunk of it yeah. still. Yeah. So, anyways, okay. So, Ottawa basically they need to figure out what they're doing with their big guns, and that'll determine what they do with the rest of the players. Uh, what do you think Mark Stone re- resigns at? If he he is ar- arbitration eligible, yes, I think so. Um, honestly, I think I think you. You want to get this guy locked down to a seven, eight-year contract. Um, let me look at his numbers again one more time here. I believe he had 62 points this yeah, last season. And 54 the year before, and then and, 61, and he did 62 in 58 games. So, so I think you're looking at a $6.5, 7000000 dollar deal for this guy. Would you rather have David Pasternak or Mark Stone? Not in terms of the age, because obviously Pasternak is five years younger, but in terms of the player. If you had to have him for one season, boy, that's a 
Okay, one so, C, so they're very comparable. Yeah, right. Like it's a difficult decision to make. They're yeah. very similar in terms of uh, their production value. Uh, it Mark Stone has struggled to stay healthy compared to Pasternak, but and Pasternak signed at a six point six six million cap hit for eight years. Yeah, uh, eight, eight years. years. Mm-hmm. So you're going to get something more than that for Stone because he's going to he's going into his UFA years. Yeah. So you're looking at. Seven minimum, in my opinion. Okay, minimum, and that that number could be eight. Wow, especially if they go Carlson's gone. I mean, if you're Carl, if you're Mark Stone's camp, you go. Mm-hmm. You're about to trade Eric Carlson. If I'm gonna resign here, I want security. I want the most money on the team. I want more money than Bobby Ryan. Ooh, and and I'm gonna be the captain of this team. Wow. Okay. Right. I mean, is that what you're? I mean, it's you're. You would expect he would become the captain with that kind of deal. You would think at least he's wearing an A. But the problem is, is now if you're, because I think what Ottawa's going to do is they're going to look at Stone and they're going to say, okay, whatever we give him the next season, Duchesne's going to want a minimum more than him. You think? I think so. You think Duchesne is in a position to be able to? I absolutely ask for more do. than Mark Stone. Only because. That's how badly I think... Duchesne had 49 points in 68 games. I know. Stone had 62 points in 58 games. Duchesne ran almost a point per game when he was in Ottawa. Pretty close to it. When he was in Colorado? No, no, when he was in Ottawa. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, 68 and 49. Right, so close to it. So he had had 82 points in... Like point eight. eight, 59 points in 82 games total. Yeah. Okay. He actually had more points per game in Colorado. <laughs> nice. 10 and um, 14. But, okay, it goes back to what you and I have talked a lot about over the course of the year is that number one centers are very difficult to find. And this is true. This is, again, a bargaining chip that I think goes bodes well for Duchesne and the fact that Ottawa gave up so much in the trade this year to get him That's that he could just say, well, hey, yeah. I'll walk. You're going to lose me for all that you gave up. So, so do you go Mark Stone, Matt Duchesne? We'd like to sign both of you to um, eight by sevens. I mean, hey, Duchesne, come July 1st, they can re sign him to an yep. extension. So, yep. you could look at both of them and say, hey, we think you both are the cornerstone for the next seven, eight years here. <sighs> I, I don't doubt that. They I think. won't be very good in eight years. <laughs> no, no, no. They will not. I mean, They're not very good now, so it's okay. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, we'll move on from the Ottawa Senators. If you think we're dead wrong, we'd love to hear about it. You can tweet at us at OT Hockey Talk, and uh, we will move on to the beloved Arizona Coyotes. Hello, Arizona Coyote fan. Yeah, I actually, to be quite honest, I have a lot of high hopes for the next season. So and they had a really good end of the year. Uh, they did. They actually, if if you take their last uh, two months of the season, mm-hmm. they would have been a playoff team. Okay. Like if if that was it and that was the season, they would have been a playoff team. So yeah, this this team is uh, should be on its way up. Uh, that seems to be the consensus each and every year. Uh, the Phoenix, mm-hmm. uh, should I say, the Arizona Coyotes yeah. are. The Western Conference's Carolina Hurricanes. Okay, that's that's I, a fair assessment. I think they're about spot on. Uh, Carolina and Arizona both have had ownership craziness. Yeah, <laughs> uh, they they both have had some weird things happen with coaches. They both have some really talented young wingers and no center to speak of. No, well, Carolina has Jordan Stahl and 
Well, they I, got Derek Stepan. I guess a Derek Stepan and Jordan Stoller are actually pretty good comparable to each other. Yeah. In terms of the way they play, players. both more like a, a two-way player. Yep, 50-point guys. Uh, and then, of course, you know, all-star Dave Boland on the books for Dave Boland. the Coyotes as well. Okay, so the Coyotes just running down uh, where they're at. They, of course, have the fifth overall pick. They have no second-round pick uh, for themselves, but they do have a pick from Minnesota in the second round that they got when they traded Martin Hansel uh, because the Wild were eliminated in the first round in 2017. They get their, they also get their fourth round pick. There was a whole bunch of conditions in that trade. So uh, they have Minnesota's, oh, they had Minnesota's fourth round pick last year and now their second round pick this year. Mm -hmm. Uh, They also have their own third along with Calgary's and Carolina. They have no fourth, no fifth, their own sixth and seventh. So uh, a good amount of, you know, five picks in the first three rounds is solid. And, I mean, this is basically how this team has to build is through the draft because uh, nobody's going there willingly. No, unless you unless you really overpaid. have to, and uh, or or there you know you're a player who needs to needs that prove me type of contract, and uh, they, yeah, they've just really struggled to bring anybody in. But Ekman Larson, I have read in recently that it's rumored that he is. They're they're in talks mm-hmm. to sign an eight year extension. He has one year left on his deal. Uh, as far as free agents that they need to sign, Brad Richardson, who uh, is one of their alternate captains, alternate not assistant. Uh, <laughs> he's a UFA, thirty three years old. Uh, Max Domi is an RFA. It'll be interesting to see what a guy like Max Domi gets. A guy who had a lot of. A lot of hype around him. Obviously, Ty Domi's son, mm-hmm. taken in the first round, 12th overall. Uh, did have a much better season. He was able to stay healthy. Played all 82 games. But he can't score. He's had nine. He scored nine goals. Yeah. Nine goals. That's tough. He's a third-line guy. Max Dome. I think that we're seeing he's he really is just a, he's a third-line, maybe a second-line guy. He needs to be with the right players. He's definitely he can't go up against the top guys in the NHL, and uh, yeah. So I think that's good to know because for a while we were talking about Max Domi. Oh, look at this up and coming team and this you know Max Domi's their top left winger and, and Anthony Duclair. Yes, yes, yeah. And that just is no more. Uh, but Clayton Keller certainly the uh, the bright spot in all this. He looked fantastic, especially early on in the year. I think he got a little burned out as the year went along, and then he started picking up his play when the Coyotes started picking up their play later in the year. Um, they have made a trade since the season ended, Ooh. and that was acquiring Marcus Kruger from the Carolina <laughs> Hurricanes. So what do the Coyotes need to do? Well, I think first off... Um, Assuming that, well, Eric or and remember, Ant, Anti Niemi or Anti Ranta, sorry, yes. did resign. A, he signed a three-year extension, he did, so yes. he's there. Goaltending's good. Uh, assuming that OEL has not officially signed his contract, I think that the first thing they need to do is figure out that situation, get that locked up before the draft, because if he's not going to stay here long term, again, you need to move him for as many assets as you can get in return. At the draft. You're right, you're right. Yes, the draft is the time to do it because you will get the most teams in on mm-hmm. that deal. And it would be, if he's not going to re-sign there, it would be so wise of the Coyotes 
to trade him before Carlson. Yep. Uh, I don't think Dowdy's going anywhere, but Dowdy is a free agent at the end of this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know there's there's some other pretty high-profile free agents coming out this next year, too. To so. me, OEL is a perfect fit. And again, I, I'm still leaning towards the fact that he's going to sign there and stay there long-term, but I think he would be a perfect fit to go to Toronto for, well, you know, maybe Nylander or somebody like that. But um, to me, I, w- I think I that would, would be work. fine with that. Yeah, it would work so good for both teams. Yes. Uh, here, I'll just give you a little rundown of the defensemen who are unrestricted free agents. Ooh. In uh, after next season, yes, next off season. Um, so Drew Doughty, Eric Carlson, Tyler Myers, Brooks Orpic, who Br- Brooks Orpic has actually had a very good playoff. Yeah, he's looked pretty good. Um, OEL, Jay Bolmeister, Alexander Edler, Zadona Chara, and uh, Nicholas Cronwall, Ryan McDonough, Jalmerson, Strawman, Jake Gardner, Ron Hainsey, Ryan Ellis. Ryan Ellis, yeah, there's some there's some good names. England, who looks like a, a top four pairing defenseman right, at 36. Right. Yeah, so there, I mean, there's some. Now, how many of those players actually make it to free agency is another question. But I mean, even even the forwards, you look at who you have: Jordan Eberle, Matt Duchesne, Joe Pavelski, Logan Couture, Artemi Panarin, Tyler Sagan, Jeff Skinner, Blake Wheeler, and Dave Boland. It's crazy. <laughs> Dave Boland is not in that list. <laughs> he is in that list, but he's not in that no. that category of people. Uh, so yes, a lot of players, big name players, contracts coming to an end. Uh, we will see a lot of those extended. What do you ultimately think happened? Do you think that OEL resigns in in Arizona? I do. Is I think he- I'm leaning towards this um, because he he grew up playing with Shane Doan, who's a perfect example of a guy that sticks around with the team, that's, do the yeah, rough stuff. That's a good point. And so he's he's learned from that guy since the beginning of his career. And so perfect example. I think I think if they've signed OEL, I think right now they need to target some depth forwards, some third-line third, third line guys who can come in there and really provide a lot of depth scoring for them. And this might include, oh, I don't know, um, it's looking at looking at some names, maybe a guy like you know Kuhlman or you know a David Biron next season. Bring in a guy like that who could really provide some good depth, either moving on your second line, or third line, whatever. Uh, but bring in a couple guys who you know can can add to some scoring. Because look, when their defense was finally healthy towards the end of the season, yeah, it they looked, looked pretty they good. Looked good. And with OEL locked up, they've got enough veteran leadership on that back end, and the goaltending looked good. I think they're solid back there. So to me, the focus is building on the forward core. Yeah. I if I'm OEL, I'm I'm saying I'll stay. I mean, he's mm-hmm. been there his whole career. Obviously, they're gonna they're gonna treat him well. I mean, I need ten million a year. Ooh, I mean, I, I don't. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it. I need ten million a year. But that's uh, I'm 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 one of the best free agent defensemen to come become available. Sure, behind Dowdy if he and if Carlson. he becomes a free agent, yeah, he'll get paid ten million somewhere. Absolutely, no, well, no doubt about. No, it. absolutely. I so don't agree. I'm, I'm taking ten million, and you will, and you will name me the captain of the Arizona Coyotes. Oh, I think the captain part was a foregone conclusion that was going to happen. But yeah, I agree. Uh, wow. Yeah, so I, I do think he'll resign there. I think that he'll get the biggest contract in Arizona Coyotes history. Okay, and yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a doozy. Um, 
other than that, I think this team just needs to keep par for the course. They they yeah. don't do what like Florida did where you know they started building a certain way and they just scrapped it really quick because it didn't have the result they wanted. It, it just stay par for the course. I think that ultimately things will balance out. This team should be competitive for a playoff spot next year if they can add one or two good pieces that help them push themselves forward. They they need to pick up. They need to be able to pick up an extra ten points. Like I'd say, if this mm-hmm. if this team ends up with less than ninety points next year, then you might need to consider moving out a John Chica. You know, a, a guy under thirty years old as the general manager may not be working in right. Arizona. <laughs> Yeah, oh, well, okay. luckily for them, they're going to get a uh, probably more than likely get a good forward at the draft, either a Brady Kachuk yes. or yes. Oliver Wallstrom. So that that'll definitely help them on that that forward front. Agreed. All right, there's your Arizona Coyotes, and let's uh, move to our last team, which I I'm glad that it's just happens to be the sixth oh. pick is the Detroit Red Wings, saving your favorite for last. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to tell you this time. Yes, please. What I think the Red Wings should do uh, because. You know, as with with no bias at all, and then I'll let you uh, sprinkle in some bias. Please go. Okay, <laughs> sprinkle in some bias. <laughs> okay, so here's my first thought. My first thought is we we need to figure out what's going on with Henrik Zetterberg because there was a lot of talk at the end of the season that even though Zetterberg, I believe he played all 82 games. Yeah, but it was a struggle. And that before every game, I mean, I can't remember who it was on the Red Wings that said, you wouldn't believe what that guy does to prepare for a game. I think there's a lot of ice baths before and after. I think there's a lot of massages. I I get the sense that his body is very much under stress and that if, if this may be his last season, um, if that's true, oh, man, I, I wonder... I wonder if he'd be willing to play somewhere else for one year because the Red Wings, they're, they're not going to win anything. Okay. Would he be willing to go to a team with, with other, with friends on it? Yeah. Is there a team with some, 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 some Swedes, some Swedes that he'd be willing to, uh, to take, you know, hey, go here at the trade deadline and just see what you can do. And, uh, you know, it'll allow us to garner some assets and then you can retire. I, I think his deal, what happens is he, he'll make $3.35 million this year. His cap hits six, six, but he'll only make his base salary because it was front-loaded, 3.3. Then the next two years are a million apiece. So that makes it real easy to walk away from that from for him. Um, if he's not healthy, I think you'd see it. Now, the difference is if he's healthy, if he goes, I, you know, I've been working all summer. I feel great. You know, let's see how it goes. And I'd say that if, if he's in the season and Hey, everything's going well, then sure. I mean, I guess you're, you maybe want to let him retire as a Red Wing. I know as a, as a fan on the one hand, you're like, well, it'd be great if we could scoop a first round pick for him. Because that could set us ahead. I remember when in uh, in like 2007, you know, Matt Sundin, Darcy Tucker, all these guys wouldn't waive their tr- no trade clauses, mm-hmm. and they all just stuck with the Leafs. And it was like we could have gotten a king's ransom for all these guys, yeah. but they just stuck there because they wanted to try one more time, and they missed the playoffs again, and and we had got nothing for it. Whereas you know maybe the best thing for Zetterberg mm-hmm. is to have him 
produce a first round pick for the Red Wings. Well, I mean, he did produce a good 56 points at that second line center spot. So that's still attractive to most teams. Yes. Yes, exactly. And that's why I say he, he would definitely garner a first round pick. The problem is, is with the, okay. See so first, second, third, is he more valuable than Tatar? <laughs> oh, he absolutely is more valuable than Tatar. That's, it's crazy to think that, that he gets, still got that. But, um, the problem is, is a $6 million cap hit, right? Even though, like we, like you said, he's you're not paying him that money, but is a team willing to take that on for three seasons, or even you know if he gets dealt this year? But you wouldn't have if he retired, you wouldn't be on the hook for that. Well, no, if he does retire, you get that cap recapture penalty because you, he's, the Wings would get that because they're the ones who right. signed him. But also, I you don't get a cap re. It wasn't because he because of when he signed it. There's no, not, he still gets it, but. But I think with his injury history, I think the more likely scenario is you're going to see him go on long-term injury there, there reserve. There you go. Yeah, so. sure. There you go. Yeah, and you pay him a million. So right. you're paying him two million. So basically, you go, hey, do you want you know, you want him for a run? I I, I think it's possible. It's I mean, obviously that's up to him. But that's the first thing we have to do. We have to figure out what Henrik Zetterberg wants, um, mm-hmm. and and whether he'd be willing to be moved, whether we want to move him, what that you know what that entails. Uh, the next thing to me is Larkin, Mantha, Tyler Bertuzzi, Athanasiu. I always want to throw in the ant. Yeah, the way somebody Athanasiu. said it is you always think of nice to see you. Athanasiu. Uh, yes, that's a great point. Uh, so we need to figure out how to re-sign all those guys uh, for a team that is generally cap-strapped. And we're going to have to re-sign Larkin for, my guess is, a minimum of uh, five, six. I mean, if we could get, if you could get Larkin locked at five by five, it would be unbelievable. Five by six, probably a little closer. I mean, he's, if you look at Stone and Pasternak are that comparable, I think he's the next click down, Mm -hmm. but he's also a center. And he's the wing's top center and center of the future. So, so, but he's not getting seven. No, that's that's not going to happen. So, I mean, that's are the days of bridge deals over with? Let me ask you that. Oh, certainly for higher end players. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I mean, why you would even want to go and sign Dylan Larkin to try? Okay, well, let's sign you to a three year deal worth fifteen million or something. That would be it. Would be dumb because in three years you're going to pay him. Nine million or ten million a year right. instead of getting to pay him six. That's just yeah, that's silly. Uh, although we saw what happens with the Oilers when you you know you lock up all these guys to mm-hmm. not bridge deals and you get them <laughs> on the cheap and it doesn't always work. So yeah, re signing that those guys are obviously important, but I I really think that it's time to figure out a way to completely reflush this. Defense. Mm-hmm. We I, I we talked we talked in a previous episode about trading Nick Cronwall. I think it's time to get rid of Cronwall. Uh, try and acquire some assets for him, and I, I think you just completely flush this defense. Uh, you if you can find somebody to take Jonathan Erickson, bless your soul. Oof, oof. Uh, I really I think that the Wings could maybe if they took on half the salary at two point one million a season. You might be able to get someone to bite on him. Yeah, like we talked about, Florida Panthers. 
I, I, I think you'd probably have to package you know, a, another guy as well. But, yeah, uh, the Wings, to me, when I look at their team, I go, hey, you got some nice young pieces. Uh, but it's very rem- it's almost reminiscent of the Minnesota Wild, where Dylan Larkin, Anthony Mantha, they're, bo- they're both really good players. Uh, and I think they'll be even better as this future goes on. Uh, I think, but I don't think that they're the high, high end players that you need to ultimately win. Although Vegas is proving me very wrong, <laughs> uh, but I do think I think that Vegas is an anomaly. I don't think that you will see some teams go. We don't need really good players to win, and oh, we'll just do what Vegas does, and it's not going to work. No, uh, I, I I really I mean you've seen other teams try to do what Pittsburgh did, and it hasn't. It work. is a copycat. It's it's worked for some teams, but it hasn't worked for others. And so, I mean, you're going to get this this meld of of team. But I just don't think that they're high enough, high end enough. Fortunately, they do have the sixth overall pick. They should get a nice defenseman. You know, a defenseman, yeah, which is really where they need to to start. Uh, this team needs defensemen. So uh, that's that's another reason if they can acquire another first round pick, packaging some players, find, figuring out a way to do that. Athanasiu. Certainly is is worth maybe a first round pick, given his ability to score five on five. But that is where I see this Red Wings team, and they are also going to need a backup goalie and and maybe a goalie for the, their future. Yeah, they well they have a Jimmy couple. Howard's thirty four years old. I know he's getting up there. They've got a, a couple goaltenders in the in the minors, not necessarily at the the AHL level, but even lower than that, where you look at guys and you say, okay, there is a possibility. Caden Fulcher is one of them, for example. However, there's still gambles, especially with goaltenders. There are even more gambles at such a young age because you have no idea what you're going to get out of goaltenders. Right, yeah, not a, I mean, a 19-year-old goalie playing in juniors. Yeah. I, I mean, you're you're better off just trying to sign Chad Johnson or... Right, and then, Robin Lehner or somebody. Exactly. Yeah, it is... Very difficult to properly assess a goaltender. But with that said, for me, I I don't think Henrik Zetterberg goes anywhere. Um, I don't even think Detroit even looks at the option of trading him. Just because, again, it goes back to the big loyalty thing. And I think um, that's something Red Wing fans have kind of, I don't want to say they love about this team, but I think it's something they respect about this team. Now, from my standpoint... I don't, I don't respect bad management. <laughs> Listen, most of the fans here in Detroit. Okay, I'm just gonna I'm gonna stop about that one because it's gonna get me in some trouble. No, but, no, 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 no. Keep going. Most of the fans here in Detroit. Most of the fans have been so blinded by winning for so long that they're just they're. Well, I, no, okay, let me rephrase that. They've been so used to winning for so long that they're blinded to what is happening now. And I think now that they've finally started finishing at the bottom of the league, they're kind of waking up a little bit. And they're like, oh, this loyalty thing and signing veterans all the time is not working. Yeah, yeah. I think that people are going, why did we sign Helm to this long? Right. And that's but the thing. Whereas, whereas two or three years ago, Helm was the man. Like, right. Oh, look at how fast he is. Cool. Right. Exactly. Uh, and so a couple and, years, and everybody overvalues their own players. Right. Because absolutely. you watch them all the time, right? And so, yeah. I, I mean, there's there's always that question of like, man, who is, who's that player on your team that's amazing that nobody knows about? And, you know, people will throw out players and you're like, that guy's not that good. <laughs> Right, and Sorry. don't get me wrong. I think Helm is a very serviceable three, four, you know, line sure. player. Sure, at at one point nine million. Right, but not, not at yeah. three point eight five. Definitely not. 
Same with, with Luke Drake Glendening. Glass. Yeah. Same with Luke Glendening. Not worth 1.8 in my mind. Yes, he's a he's a fun agitator. He's a good face-off guy. He he's a decent penalty killer, but but Luke Glendening at 1.8 doesn't really it, it really doesn't it doesn't hurt you no, anywhere. No, no. It's 1.8 million. Right, exactly. And you, if you bury that in the minors, right now you can I th- cut that salary in half. Actually, right now uh it's I think you save 1.1 million. It's it's uh the minimum, mm-hmm. the league minimum plus 375,000. Okay. Equals how much you can save on a player sent to the minors. So fair enough. It just depends on what the league minimum is. So. Right, and, but okay. And then there's Justin Ablocator, another guy who I think is highly overpaid. But again, this goes back to the loyalty thing, which fans got so used to, and I think were okay with it at the time when these deals were being passed out to Darren Helm, Ablocator, and stuff a couple years ago. Um, for me, I think this team they need to find ways to shed salary. So they can allow guys like Anthony Sayu, Larkin, uh, Manta to grow and bring in some young guys. Now, I, we, we talked about this before on a, on a previous show. I, I think Anthony Sayu, like you said, is a perfect trade chip right now that I think needs to go. And I think when you package him, I think somehow you need to find a team that's a sucker enough to maybe take a Jonathan Erickson or maybe even a Trevor Daly back with them so you can one shed some cap and two create room for some younger guys in Detroit to just come up and get some experience because again I don't think with a lot of these cap you know a lot of these cap hurting deals that Detroit has like with Franz Nielsen Henrik Zetterberg Abdelkader Helm that are going to keep Detroit from being successful for a while uh, they need to do what they can to try to shed some cap so that they can get some young players in here or maybe make a push for big free agents either, you know, next off season or the year after that. Yeah. Don't forget Jonathan Erickson doesn't even have to be traded. Right. He's got a modified tr- no trade list too. Yeah. But kicking in this, but after this, once this off season kicks in, it, yeah, it turns into a modified, it's a full no trade clause right now, which is just crazy to me. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know why you give a guy something like that, but. Oh um, my. Yes. They have right now eight players with uh, some form of a no trade clause. Yeah. That, that was Kenny Hollins. I don't know why he just handed those out like Christmas candy. Just like, Oh, here, 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 yeah. take, one, take one. And I said Christmas, but I meant Halloween candy, but. Anyways, hey, Christmas candy's good too. It really now, is. the one thing the Red Wings do have is two first round picks, two second round picks, and three third round picks. Yeah, but one of those picks is Vegas's, which yes, is I know, be, right? Vegas, Vegas well is either going to be 30 or 31. Right. So <laughs> they basically have three second round picks. Uh, they have Ottawa's second round pick, though, which is a, that's a, I mean, so they, the, I mean, they're going to have their sixth overall pick, either number 30 or 31, mm-hmm. and then they're going to have, Ottawa's pick, which I be, which is the the third pick, I believe of the uh, so that would be the thirty of the second. So that's the thirty fourth, and then they'll have their own, which is uh, no, they have the thirty third. Ottawa's second. They have the thirty third, and then the thirty sixth. So you're going like let's say thirty one, thirty three, thirty six. Yeah, package a few of those, and maybe you can get another pick in the first round. Yeah, you send a guy like, for instance, uh, maybe you move. Uh, you know, Anthony Sayu with maybe one of those second round picks. Now you maybe get you get a first round pick. You get a yeah. You can get a team to take maybe one of those horrible defensive contracts hey. and get maybe a third round pick out of it or something. Hey. I don't know. But yeah, for me, there definitely is a lot of options that the yeah, Wings have. They have to explore stuff, and Kenny Holland's stuck here for two more years, so might as well get used stuck. to that. <laughs> He's stuck. Yeah, here. like his choice. Um, 
So for the Wings, they need to find ways to move cap so that they can either a make a run at some one of those really good defensemen next season, which I don't think is going to happen, but I can dream, or create space so that some young guys can come up and just start building through the draft again. Yeah, this team, they look like they'll be another. They'll probably finish about in the same place. Yeah, which is sad to see a guy like Zetterberg, Cronwall. I mean, guys who have been very loyal to this team. It's true. To see them have to finish their careers like Now, that. the other side is if, hey, if Mantha and Larkin and, you know, a Tyler Bertuzzi and they whoever they get at sixth overall, mm-hmm. if these players are able to come in and make a bigger impact and grow, and you, you never know. I mean, I don't still don't see this team making the playoffs, but maybe they're that team where you go, oh, we took a step in the right direction. And yep. maybe they're the team where you go, oh, they're actually starting to play some of our younger guys. And maybe they're able to package some of those draft picks for other teams' prospects who are further along who need to maybe restock their cupboards a little more. So, hey, you never know. Lots of options. All right. Well, that is our show. Hope you enjoyed it. We'd love to hear your thoughts on uh, the way we evaluated some of those teams. So you can hit us up at OT Hockey Talk. Head to OTHockeyTalk.com for more. And we will talk to you later in the week. Enjoy maybe a game seven. I don't know. This is uh, I'm sure we're recording before. right before game six. So yeah. maybe a game seven. If there's not, we will break down all of game six. Either way, I think we'll do that. So, okay. Goodbye.